Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into search. Can you find it? Yes, you can. In the 2021 e-commerce site search trends report from Algolia, there's a lot to unpack, and I am thrilled to be joined today with our special guest from Algolia, Piyush Patel, Chief Strategic Business Development Officer at Algolia. And in that role, he oversees alliances with leading software and services companies to drive transformational digital experiences for customers. With years of experience and broad market perspective, previously serving as global head of Sapient Nitro's CMS business, where he drove triple-digit growth, he's also managed global alliances for open text and assisted with expansion into North America for French DXP company, Yahai. Did I say that correctly, Piyush? Jaya. Jaya. Ah, see, my first mistake yeah. of the episode today already. Um, Not a problem. Th- thank you for having me. By the way, this is my second French company I'm with. Algolia is a lot easier to pronounce, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love the name Algolia and just the product overall. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself uh, beyond what I just talked through and just Algolia as the organization and search product that it is. Sure. Uh, you know, I'll go by the way of kind of how I happened upon Algolia to get the story started there. You know, I've been 20, 25 years in digital platforms, either at the software side or at the consulting side, helping brands solve digital problems, right, from beginning days of the web. And it's typically been in either content platforms or commerce platforms, because that's sort of the, the center point of what experiences are either built or delivered out of, right? And so search for me was just sort of a, well, it's there, you know, it works, never really thought about the maturity or the advancements and things like that. That was until I ran across Algolia. What was interesting is it started to get me thinking about how timing-wise, there's been this shift of, if you go back 20 years to when content management and, and really online commerce and digital started, we worried about crafting an experience, right? Authoring an experience. And it was about creating the content, placing the content, managing the content, all of that. But that has quickly grown to where we are today because just that sheer volume of what gets created, what needs to be personalized, there's a complexity to that where now human authors, it's just not feasible anymore to do it that way, right? And so that's what really drove me to Algolia is as a way to really take that challenge and that problem and add a combination of human and data from a science perspective to really figure out what should be put in front of a person that's kind of what really impressed me about Algolia and its future roadmap and all that kind of good stuff. Oh, that's, that's great. And I especially love the human and data aspect of uh, what you talk through, because that is exactly where I see the benefit of search in so many of the day-to-day interactions and experiences that so many people probably don't even understand that search is powering on a website. I mean, when you think about it, the common area that people think of search is going to be in that just on-site search input field. That typically is still the top right corner. Some people have tried to move it around, but we still find that to be the best area for it. It might be buried under a magnifying glass and it's not the input field out, but lots of different ways that you can deliver a search UI. But beyond that, there's so many ways that we've implemented search into other functionality on a site that people might not even understand that the search engine is powering. And that can be find locations. It can be find a doctor in a healthcare site or find a, a local branch uh, from a franchise perspective. And there's yeah. so many ways that search powers those experiences throughout the day. I think it's so critical that you understand what the human need is, 
what information are they seeking, and that the outcome and the data that's provided in that outcome is relevant to them. I think that's where definitely, as we've talked before, Algolia provides such a rich experience in how you can curate that to a customer that it's incredible. I want to take a moment and go a little bit backwards, though, and talk about, you know, as you talked about CMSs and before that, just websites, right? Search has been around since the beginning of the Internet. Honestly, you know, you typed in your URL and you're basically you're searching for that URL in a sense. Then it moved to on-site search and then you had Google and its arrival and Bing and other competitors over the years. But at the end of the day, what we have seen here at AmericanEagle.com is that search is one of three core personas that we always build a digital experience for nowadays. And so it's searchers, sorters, and browsers. We have found that those searchers, right, the ones who come on the site and look to be able to type in a search input or select from a tag or whatever it might be that's searching through the content of the site, it is over 67% of on-site users are expecting to utilize the search function. Sorters, they come in, they use your navigation, but guess what? A lot of times that navigation can also be powered by the search tool because you're looking at the taxonomy structure, the keywords that are used there. Search comes into play with all of that. And then lastly, the browsers are the ones who are going through the site. And as I mentioned previously, the other functionality of a site also powered by search, can come into the browsing experience. They might go and use a find a location tool, and guess what? Search is powering that as well. And if it's not today, there's great benefits to looking into it. But kind of as I go back through how search has grown over the years, I think even more importantly is how it is being used today. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on just the way that personalization of search results has really come into play and looking at the relevancy and the contextual aspect of when someone is searching or where they're searching from and how that all applies. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Tim, this is this goes to our topic of maturity, right? And if we start with what everyone has been sort of trained by Google to believe is if you type in a word, some things will come back. Now, whether they're relevant or not, you want a lot of stuff to come back. That's what search was for most people, right? That is search. That word existed somewhere in that document. You don't know where, you don't know if it's relevant or not. Oh, and by the way, somebody paid me to show you these things first. That's the two aspects of search people know. Yeah. And of course, for, for publicly available index, that's where Google focuses. And, and I bring them up because, because we're not, we don't do the same thing, but at scale, you know, we do about half the searches every week that Google does. We're about 30 billion searches a week. So we're you know, a very scalable platform, but we do it on content that's owned by the brands that use our product, right? We're not the external search. And what we've been going through in the journey with our customers over the last 10 years is they first come wanting to solve that first basic search problem. That's the first level of maturity is, hey, can I just make sure my search is working good, right? The speed of it, the performance of it, the relevancy of it, let's just get the basics working. Because even that, in a lot of the search that's built out of the box in platforms, doesn't really work that well because all it is doing is matching a keyword and doesn't care if the, what the results are and whether the user wanted it or not. So that basic level is sort of the, the challenge we usually fight with is that's not good enough. There's so much more you can do, but let's get started with that first. Yeah. And then as you go towards the upper end of maturity, if you think about where you want to get to, you mentioned the word before, is the outcome. It really isn't about searching or browsing or personalizing. All of those are just tools to get the consumer, the user, to the outcome that they want. And you brought up healthcare before. Great example. If I'm going to a hospital website and I'm searching for sore throat, I'm not actually looking for content about a sore throat. I probably have that ailment, meaning I probably need to see somebody or get a prescription. That means I'll need to find a doctor in a local clinic. So everything you mentioned before about a location search, 
yes, content about sore throat, a physician that specializes in an ENT doctor at a clinic near me. And oh, by the way, the final aha, the most mature element would be, and there's a one o'clock appointment tomorrow. Do you want it? Right? Mm -hmm. So that is sort of the far end of what we see customers be like, hey, if that's the vision, that's a great path to walk down with Algoia, right? And and to get there, it's all the things you mentioned. First, let's get fast, accurate, relevant search in place for what the consumer is looking for. Let's add data to that to see what are the signals we're seeing from that user, from the analytics, from the click-throughs, and maybe even in aggregate. What are the people in a zip code looking for to, to, to be able to figure out what somebody might be needing if they don't themselves know? Then add to it additional elements of, do I know this person? What insurance do they have? So that tells you which physician they might be able to see and who's accepting new patients. So there's a there's a lot of things that you could mature to really to get to that outcome. And I think that's the path that we're trying to teach customers. It's not about typing a word and get back a list of things. That's kind of basic. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you walked us through that search maturity and that ultimate outcome. I think one of the biggest things that we've also seen with search maturity with our clients when we go through and work with them on that is that continued optimization for the contextual relevancy of those results, but also what journey do we want to take them through? A lot of times people talk about the customer journeys for more of the conversion aspects of a site, but look at the micro conversions that happen to lead to that macro, right? If you get that to your healthcare example with scheduling an appointment, you have those micro conversions before that help guide that. Search can help curate that entire guidance of content and when we say content, it's not just written word that search searches. It's videos. It's different types of content, like you mentioned with this physician, or if you know the insurance, can show these physicians. It's event calendars that you can pull in and say, hey, yes, there is an opening at this time. And that's where I really feel that a lot of people in their search maturity are starting to get to. Some have gotten there, but a lot of personalization talk has happened for a good number of years. I've been working with personalization for seven plus years. And a lot of people desire it, but either don't focus the annual budget towards it or don't focus the staffing towards it, which the latter is more of the problem where you have to have someone with the time to go in and do that. Because when you do that, you have to have that extra effort of content plus data analysis and it's content creation. Because the minute you start personalizing, you're taking your default content and creating a new personalized version of it for those different experiences. And you brought up zip codes, which is a great example because we've done that for numerous e-commerce clients and non-e-commerce clients. And this is one of the big areas of search and personalization that I know we really need to expand the knowledge of for our clients. Because a lot of people think of search and personalization with like cross-selling. People who've bought this also bought that. Amazon did a great job of selling that into everyone's minds of here's how cross-selling and everything works. Well, great. We can do that for e-commerce, but we can do that with just pure content. And when we have an association site or we have a content pure site and they're just looking for lead generation, search is still a big factor. And we can use the personalization to show them the relevant content in their path. That to me is just so critical that it's not just for e-commerce. Yes, that's a great industry that we can apply this to, but search is across the board everywhere. And the experience of search, I think, is been in a good and bad way, set a bar by Netflix, by Amazon, by Google of what a search experience might be like and what personalized yeah. recommendations might be like. And so many people, I've, I've had multiple e-commerce clients who've come in and originally said, I want to be like Amazon, make my site like Amazon's. I go, well, no, you don't. They don't do personalization the best. 
honestly. I buy one big ticket item from them. I don't want to see that same item again. They know I bought right. it, but they keep marketing it to me. And right. they keep marketing yeah. right now. It's been a vacuum. And, you know, I always try and bring a personal anecdote into the, my, my episodes here. But that vacuum, okay, guess what? I bought it Amazon. I'm not going to buy another one again in a month. Don't market it to me. Maybe wait a yeah. year because that's about how long these cordless vacuum batteries last. I'm not going to get into <laughs> brand names or anything here. But that's where it's like, know that, hey, I bought a vacuum from you. It's about every year. In nine months, you can start marketing to me, not next month. And that's where I just feel that people who don't use the data, to go back to that point that you made earlier, they're not using that because they're not having the time to focus on it. The benefit of that is there's so many new artificial intelligent tools that will surface that up in the reporting and help provide those strategies for you that you don't have to do it manually every time. Definitely, definitely. You know, it's if you think about e-commerce is such an easy thing for people to get wrap their head around where the value of technical investments could be or, or you know, experience improvements could be. That's easy. You know, when you bring up the outcome based search, I'll give you an example. Being being out of, out of Houston, oil and gas is a big industry here. Think about search from an outcome perspective rather than getting somebody to buy something or book an appointment or follow an MQL process. Imagine the time and cost savings of. Uh, an employee on a rig knowing a repair manual process so I'm standing in front of a console there's thousands of different things that I might have to repair or look at how about guiding me through that and letting me complete this process versus shuffling through where I might need something right that is a search experience yeah if people don't realize that right is is guiding me through the completion of a task or a process and the steps needed the manual steps the picture the video I, again personal experience if I have to fix something, where do I go? YouTube, because I found somebody else who recorded themselves doing it. Walk through. Here's how you open the iPhone case. Here's how you change the battery, right? So I think that thinking of expanding search to outcome-based journey is really where I think people can really get their head out of, oh, I want to be like Amazon or I want to be like Google. Those are just one examples of, of how it can be manifested. Oh, exactly, exactly. As we look at that curation, too, I think one big area uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is just federated search. And we have done this with a, a multitude of clients who have either multiple digital experiences. So that could be from a members only section of an association website to a community that is online and has all sorts of posts and forums that might not everything have be public. But search is just as important on the public non logged in side as the logged in side. And what's excellent about that situation is you can curate your search even more the minute they log in. You mentioned that earlier, knowing what they have visited in the past or things that they're interested in. When you have that profile, you can use that to benefit the search experience to be that much more relevant with that individual user. I think that that federated search experience is key for that outcome search results screen, right? It's one of Anytime that we talk about you know critical pages on a website, we call them our MVPs, the most valuable pages. One of those is your search results page because most likely, like I mentioned earlier, at least 67% of people will most likely hit that page. If you have some yeah. auto redirects set up for certain keywords that directly take you to a landing page or a product or a content section, great. Use those capabilities within the, the search tool. But when you do have a search results page, that is the most valuable page because you're telling them the next action to take based on either they can filter, which is extremely important. Uh, they can go in and they can refine their search, right? Besides the filter, they could search within the search. 
which is key. You have the aspect of, did you mean, right? That automation of, hey, this might be what you meant, or it might be a word that you suggest to them, which is big learnings that we've had from data with clients of, hey, you think that your users search with this keyword? Here's the real keyword that they search by. And so let's actually change some of your search curation to that word, because now we're going to get your customers to that specific content faster. And in today's world, that's that's critical. But with the federated search, we can actually show them both different content types, right? Videos, as you mentioned, with like the repair videos, that's on YouTube, the second most searched site in the inter- in, in the internet. But then also on your site, if you bring those videos in, you're capturing them in the moment and keeping them with your site, the stickiness factor, I like to call it. But then we can also say, hey, let me surface up some of the public communities in a uh, community forum. We can surface up and say, hey, there's some other content in the resource library. But when we start to give that federated search experience, we start to expand the capability of making sure that outcome is meeting the customer's need. A lot of times, if you have a search that's only for that exact site and you have other sites within your ecosystem, you're doing a disservice by not connecting all of them through a federated search. And it's actually, you know, a little bit of development effort and some curation, but it's not this huge, difficult issue that isn't solved for already today. It's a matter of understanding how to apply it. It is. And, you know, a lot of people, if you think about experiences that have been built before, whether it's on a search result page or a particular article or PDP page, people have put in the, oh, here's the related products or here's the comments from previous people who bought this. So, so people have collected these things together, but they haven't thought about them in that federated search model, right? Because they're doing a separate query, separate query, separate query. And what you lose from that is the association of what worked and what didn't work. And that's, that's really one of the things that we excel at with feder- our federated search model is if you search for something and get a product landing page, and of course you want to get the associated similar products, the, the discussions, repair manuals, whatever it is, we've got an element in our platform called Click Analytics that let you then associate that, hey, I have searched for this product, I ended up searching on that repair manual, now we're gonna associate those two. So if somebody searches for that repair manual, we know that this product might be interesting to them and vice versa. And so that really then continues to take those signals and the patterns and improve how we get somebody to the outcome. So it's really important that when people think about federated search, it's not just, oh, let me go query all these things and show everything on a page in a, in a proper layout. It's really tying them together and making sure the associations are kept of why something was relevant relating this to this. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And that Click Analytics, if you haven't seen that in the Algolia tool set, please do check that out. Uh, visit algolia.com and, and look more into that Click Analytics because it has been an incredible tool for a lot of our customers as well. So as we look at, right, we talked about reporting, we talked a little bit about AI and personalization and the benefits of that leading into everything. What other advanced search capabilities is Algolia providing to users today? We've talked about Federated and a few others, but, you know, what is something we maybe haven't talked about yet, Piyush, that we should and uh, that you want to make sure our listeners hear more about? Yeah, so, you know, we look at four different categories of how search shows up in an experience. Search is one of them, the box, right? That type in something or or whatever that might be. In the browse category, you know, as people are foraging across the site, we may be narrowing filters, changing the navigation automatically based on the pattern. And and so that's another element that we power for a lot of companies is browse, automated browsing and and automated site generation, right? Um, The next one we just launched last summer we're already seeing huge traction with is a recommend models, right? Is 
as we talked about, hey, if you're looking at this item, this other thing might be relevant as well. And, and so, you know, delving into the recommend, and that can show up all over the page as well in, in the experience. The next thing we're looking at is predict, tying more to sort of, I, you know, I don't know what I'm looking for. So I, I, may, I may think I need to search for sore throat, but what if it's a COVID test I need? And so being able to determine through all kinds of signals, whether from that individual user, from a cohort of users like that person, from the area, whatever it might be, assisting the person in getting to the right narrowing of what they're looking for, right? So predict is, is sort of the, the new direction we're headed into as well. Great. We look at predict in that future, and I'm, I'm going to ask you a question in a little bit here as we you know get closer to the end of the show about your predictions, but we're not there yet. What is your thoughts about, and this is some stats from the e-commerce site search trends uh, report that Algolia put out uh, not too long ago, but only one in eight retailers embrace modern search. Why do you feel that there's such a gap in the amount of people who are actually implementing it? And we talked a little bit before about budget or staff time. Any other thoughts that you have about why there's that gap there in, in the modern search application? I'll go back for the last 20 years. I don't know of a time when technology and marketing resources have been sitting idle. So that, yeah, that's one point. Very true. <laughs> we, we have been innovating and growing this industry so fast. Who's just sitting around thinking, what am I going to do next? I mean, yes, there are some of us that, that do do that. It's really challenging to have the time in the day to, to get everything done. You, you see great ideas. You, your list, I, I got a to-do list that never ends, right? <laughs> and, and so it, it's really hard. It's really hard for companies to figure out what, how to prioritize, what's going to work, to make that decision. Is this item going to make me the return? And then I'll work on the next one or like what to do. And there's competing thoughts and priorities in an organization, right? So, so it's challenging, first of all, from a resourcing perspective. Second is, when we look at all the innovation that's happening, it's happening in pieces all over the place. And that creates a second big problem, is how do you tie these things together and make them work together? The integration word, the taboo that everyone talks about, it's not easy, especially if the technology resources, where you're like, hey, I'm going to find the best certified Algolia developer. Okay, well, is that developer going to know Shopify and Commerce Tools and Magento and anything else that you're trying to implement with? Probably not. There isn't. Those are unicorns we're talking about. And so now you've got to put together a team of people who can figure stuff out. And it's it's really challenging. So I think, you know, it's not easy to, to just say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to do this and, and make it happen. But it is getting easier. I have to say we're, you know, vendors working together and, and putting reference apps out there and all these things are, are starting to help. But we're just in a such an innovative industry, I think, that it's it's hard to say. If you get a call like IT, did, did you reboot? It's not that simple anymore, right? <laughs> Check the power cord. Uh, yeah, uh, if only it was that simple anymore. But no, com completely agree uh, with your synopsis of that because that is where we do see it. I mean, uh, Scott Brinker with Chief Martech and his uh, diagram, he should have a new one coming out, I believe, soon. He took last year off. But, I mean, there was, you know, 8,000 plus marketing technology tools or more. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's crazy. And then you, you get that saturation and or actually dilution of the market, right? Where yeah. there's so many different tools that you could plug in. What should you plug in? What will actually help move the needle for the business, right? And at the yeah. end of the day, it's yeah. about your bottom line. How are your tools helping benefit that? And hopefully today, everyone understanding, you know, what we've talked through sees the importance of search because it does power so much more than just that search input box or that magnifying glass at the top of the page. I've had some sites that are completely 
centered around the search tool that really allow it to live and breathe for the customer needs. And that's where I think there's so much hidden behind the surface of search that we wanted to expose for people today. So I definitely, the, the maturity, the growth and all of that is critical in both the technology side, but even more so in the search tools capabilities to deliver on that human and data element that we've talked about. As we look to kind of just wrap up the show here, I always have my, my favorite question about the future. Here's your glass ball moment of where do you see, and it can be any aspect of search and it doesn't have to be Algolia specific or anything like that, but where do you see the growth in the search experience in the next three to five years? What If you could just say, hey, I foreshadow or foresee this in my glass ball, what would that be? So let me cover one current item that's making all of the things that I said are challenging easier, right? Mm -hmm. And how is search maturity happening today? So today what we're already seeing is the technical debt most organizations had about bringing data in together to be able to power better search. Those barriers are being broken. So we're seeing more and more sort of aggregation of data and AI helping get search maturity to the next stage. That's already happening today. So that's not a, a crystal ball future thing, right? Given that that's starting to happen and we're starting to see that proliferate, I look forward to really getting to the day where we've solved a problem that all of us are recognizing today. You know, I said this earlier, we used to think about experiences, sites, app experiences, whatever that might be, as an authored or curated thing. A design agency would come in and look at, hey, this is what it's going to look like. And here's the, here's the customer journey that we've defined. And, and now we're going to go build these templates and pages and content. And, and that's what we're going to put in place. Well, that's a static one-time thing and it. It's a human effort. Like you said, why is personalization over the last 10 years, technologies like Adobe Target, Optimizely, and all these things, why haven't they not solved the problem yet? Well, because it requires humans to create things for individuals. What do I create content for Tim? What do I create content for Piyush? Well, that's never going to be scalable. So now with data and AI and things flowing more freely, where I see us going, is the experience platforms. I consider Algoia as part of that stack. Being able to take the human out of having to author or curate and really put them in a role of defining rules, defining conditions, and letting the system automatically pick from the variety of digital assets that are being created, whether there's UGC or content from the brand or whatever it might be, having the system be able to smartly choose what the consumer needs to see to get them to an outcome, right? So then the author's job is defining that customer journey from beginning to outcome, and then letting the system decide, hey, if I take the user down this path, which one gets them there? Like routers on the internet work. They, they get, you send an email, it goes from this hop to that hop. It figures out how to get there. That's where I see search powering experiences in the future is figuring out how to take a user from the beginning of their journey to the outcome, empowering every decision in, in, in that path. That's where I see us going. I love it. I love it. And especially you mentioned the growth of AI. Even the AI content creation tools now are getting to be actually very viable as an option to help write that content. You power that with your search to help personalize that on the fly. The options are limitless at the end of the day mm -hmm. then for the individual curation and personalization without it being a human effort every single time. So wonderful. Piyush, I just can't thank you enough for jumping on the show today with me, talking through search. Uh, there's so much more we could continue to unpack, but uh, I want to be mindful of our listeners' time and also have content for future episodes. So we'd love to welcome you or other members of the Algolia team back in the future. 
But for now, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode and a link to the search report that's been referenced a few times. If you want us to cover a specific topic or submit feedback, please email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. While you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You'll find me there sometimes. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.